Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns, and you are live with the Word on Wednesday. Hey, Sasha, how you doing? It's good to see you out there tonight. Uh, we bless God for you tonight, and tonight we're not going to prolong the hour. For the next 30 minutes, we will engage in uh, Acts chapter 24. Uh, We have been moving along through the book of Acts, and tonight we find ourselves uh, in the middle of a trial. Uh, Paul has been moved from Jerusalem down to Caesarea because there was a plot by the Jews to kill him. And so the Holy Spirit revealed through Paul's nephew the plot that the Jews had to kill him. And so the, um, the tribune immediately says that, you know what, I can't have this man's blood on my hands because he is a Roman citizen. So he moves him down to Caesarea, and there he's going to appear before Felix. And the overarching theme of tonight's lesson is going to be rather personal. Because remember now, we have established that uh, Paul is being persecuted and he is on trial. And the question that I want to ask you as you go through your trials and tribulations is this. What did you do? That's what I want to I want you to think about that tonight because all of us are are under some kind of pressure and all of us are going through various trials and tribulations. And and I think I might even go a little bit farther and say uh, not only what did you do, but why? Why are we going through what we're going through? You know, a lot of Christians, the the thing that that, that they have to deal with is, you know what? I'm doing everything that I think that I'm supposed to do. Uh, I'm going to church every Sunday. I am, good evening, Corey. Hey, mother, how you doing out there? Anyway, I'm going to church every Sunday like I'm supposed to. Uh, I'm participating in worship. Uh, I serve on an auxiliary. I am giving my tithes and offerings. I'm a good person. I'm I'm trying to live upright. I'm trying to walk upright. I'm trying to do, uh, be pleasing before God. And in all that I'm doing, I'm still suffering. And so when you are in that position, sometimes you're like, you, you get to thinking, you know, this Christianity stuff is for the birds. I'm doing better than this when, when I was out on the street. Well, I want you to hang in there tonight because at the end of the lesson, I'm going to tie your suffering together for you. And I'm going to show you something about the suffering that you're doing, the why of persecution. And then I'm going to show you one other thing that I think is going to be a blessing for you, and it's going to come straight from the mouth of God. But before we go any further, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we thank you and we bless you and we praise you. Father, tonight we need you to speak to us. 
because some of us are going through. I mean going through. We feel like our, our name should be Job or something because every on every hand we're being, we're, we're being persecuted. Somebody throwing rocks at us. Our stuff is just not right. And so we need to hear from you tonight, God. We need to hear from you. Speak to us. Lead us and guide us through this 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 lesson tonight. Encourage our hearts that we might become the servants of the kingdom that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Acts chapter 24. Grab your Bibles. Acts chapter 24. And let's just dive right in. And, as, and like I say, 30 minutes is what we're going to do. We do. We're going to be in and out tonight, and I I believe that we're going to have a word tonight. Cause this is I've already you know I'm, I'm I get a chance to be in the kitchen, and so I get a chance to taste it first before y'all get it, and it was good to me, good to me. Okay, Acts chapter twenty four verse one. Now remember that he has Paul was sent to Felix, and Felix is the governor or the proconsul, and he's the proconsul over the Judean province. And so he's responsible for everything that goes on there. So uh, we covered that off last week. And just one thing I want to say about Felix before I start reading. Felix is a scoundrel. Felix, this cat is no good at all. Felix is a politician. He's in it for the money. He's supposed to be uh, governing and making sure that there's peace throughout Judea. But Felix will work with the crooks, the criminals, and anyone else who will slip him a dollar under the table. It was known, and if, you, if, if any of you ever read Josephus, Josephus will tell you uh, from a historical standpoint that Felix was hiring hitmen to go out and deal with anybody that opposed him. And not only would he hire a hitman, but Felix was participating in a lot of this robbing and, and, and stuff that was going on in the area. There was a very, very unsettling time for uh, the people uh, in the Judean province under Felix. Not only was Felix a, a, a crook, but he was a womanizer. Now you'll see that he's he's married to Drusilla, who is one of uh, who comes through the line of Herod. And remember, uh, early on in the book of Acts, we went through uh, all of the Herods that we see in Acts. And I, I don't I won't take the time to do that again tonight. But you'll see over the next couple of chapters, the family of Herod will pop up again. But now Drusilla is who is uh, uh, Felix's wife. She leaves her husband to get with Felix, and she becomes Felix, not his first wife, not his second wife, but this is Felix's third wife. And everything is based upon political expediency and advancing himself from a monetary standpoint. There's nothing good about Felix, okay? Even though in these addresses that you'll see, they'll address him as most excellent Felix. 
Everybody think Felix is nothing but the crook that he is. Okay? So, Acts chapter 24, verse 1. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullius. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullius began to accuse him, saying, Now, Tertullius is a paid order. He is skilled in rhetoric. And so they, uh, they want a good mouthpiece to appear before this governor who is appointed by Rome. So they hire this guy, Tertullius, to speak for them and present their case. And he says, since, though, since through you we enjoy much peace, that's a lie, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation in every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly, for we have found this man a plague one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. So, as they begin, first of all, Tertullius tries to butter up Felix and tries to say some stuff that, about Felix that everybody knows that is not true because Felix was not the leader of reform. Felix was the leader of theft. Felix was a person that was just, again, in it for himself. And so he presents these charges against Paul. And let's see what they charge him with. Go back and look real quick. It says, he says, he is a plague, meaning that he's a cancer on our society. He stirs up riots. And, and this, was, this is a very important charge because one of the things that Felix is supposed to do is Felix has been appointed and is responsible for keeping the peace. So he's going to say what he's doing is against Rome. Then the third thing that he says, he says he stirs up riots. He's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Now, he's saying he's one of these guys who's leading the uproar about this Jesus that you guys crucified, who who was crucified because, you know, he claimed that he was king of the Jews, even though that's a false charge, too. He even tried to profane the temple. We got him here because he came into the temple precincts and he did something that was, he was worthy of death. Those are the charges. They make four accusations. One, that he's a cancer on society, that he stirs up riots, that he, um, he's a leader of a non-government sanctioned group, and fourthly, that he uh, 
profane the temple. Those are the, the charges that he has. So now, go to verse 9. And, and a key point, he says, when you examine them, you're going to find out everything that we are saying is true. Now, verse 9. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it was not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they, are, what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult, but some Jews from Asia, and they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation should they have anything against me, or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. So, look at what he says here in this passage. He says, wait a minute, hold on. I didn't do what they said they did. They can't prove that I, that I did anything. Here is who I am. And Paul immediately begins to give his a testimony of his life and his beliefs. He doesn't back down. He says, look, I have a... I, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. And then he says, and what I believe, what I believe is the same thing that they believe, only that I believe that it is fulfilled through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what, that's what this, this is saying. He is now testifying to his belief that Jesus is the Messiah. He doesn't back down. He does not back down on his belief. And he says, and when they found me, they didn't find me teaching falsely. They didn't find me starting a riot. They found me in worship. They found me preparing myself to go before the Lord. They found me being supportive of the Jewish nation because I was bringing an offering that had been collected from the saints throughout Asia and Greece and Macedonia, 
and I was bringing that offering to to the church, or not the church, but to the temple. So that's what I'm guilty of. And you see, when he he says this, he says, now what happened was this: some Jews from Asia, where they at? They were the ones that caused all this controversy. But where are they? They ought to be here right now. They're the ones that made the accusation against me. They're the ones that started the riot. They're the ones that stirred everything up. Where are they at? Go to verse 22, because I want to I want to finish this chapter tonight. And in order to finish this chapter, I gotta I gotta do some other things. But Felix, verse 22. But Felix, having a re- rather accurate knowledge of the way put them off, saying, when Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Now this passage here, this, uh, verses 22 through 27, Felix, rather than make a decision based upon the facts, stalls, and he stalls because He is interested, like I said before, in seeing what he can get out of this. Now, he knows Paul is innocent. He knows that according to Roman law, that Paul has done nothing, that this is a case of of religious, um, religious squabbling and interpretation of uh, the, the scripture and, and the expectations and hopes of the Jews. He knows all of this. But he wants to get paid. And so he sends for Paul, and he thinks Paul is going to pay a bribe. Why does he think Paul is going to pay a bribe? Because he is aware of the alms that Paul has collected during his missionary journey and has given over to the temple in Jerusalem. And so he figures, if he can get money for that, he can get money for me. That's what's going on here. It's all about the money here. And so one of the things that he finds out in um, looking at this, um, in in examining Paul and sending for him and bringing his wife, Drusilla, in, who is a Jew and knows the law more perfectly than Felix, he finds out something. And the thing that he finds out is this that Paul, in preaching Jesus Christ and righteousness, 
is hitting him right where it hurts. Because look at what Paul tells him. He talks about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. Is Felix righteous? Not by a long shot. Is Felix self have the fruit of the spirit of self-control? Not by a long shot. And how would you like somebody telling you, you know that you got to answer to God for all of the stuff that you're doing? And so Felix says, that's enough of that. I haven't heard enough of that. He keeps calling him back, but he's not calling him back to hear about Jesus. And Paul is basically saying, just like uh, uh, Peter and, and, and John said to, the, to the, uh, uh, um, the, the beggar at the gate called Beautiful, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have in the name of Jesus, I'm giving it to you. And Paul delivers the message of salvation and reasons with Felix concerning righteousness. That's what's going on in this chapter. And when he can't get any money out of Paul, so he says, well, I might as well curry some favor from the Jews. Now, because his two years is almost up. Now, during this whole time, he is, Paul is going to be held in jail for that long with charges that are not sustainable. And so he says, he says look, I'm going to get something out of it. So he leaves him in jail for the next proconsul or the next governor who is going to be Festus. So, what does this mean to us? First of all, I'm going to ask you something. What did you do that got you in the predicament that you're in? Why are you suffering if you are suffering? I mean, because some of us, so some of us, this is you know, it's a hunky dory kind of thing. It's oh, merrily we roll along. But there are some Christians who are suffering. All over the world, they are suffering. And what is our attitude? What should our attitude be when we're suffering? Look at Paul. Look at what Paul is doing. Paul knew going in that he was going to be imprisoned, that there was persecution. But yet, rather than do like Jonah and take a ship that's going in the other direction, he gets on the boat and says, hurry up, let's get there. Let me tell you something about the attitude of a Christian when they're, when they're suffering trials and tribulations. I want to start out by taking you very, very quickly to James chapter 1. Turn over to James 1 real quick. The first chapter, second verse. Look at what James says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When you are under persecution, when you are being persecuted, Persecution is a testing of your faith. It is your faith being purified. It is God allowing you to be exposed in such a way 
that your faith, all the little stuff that's on your face that's hindering you can be burned off. And the scripture says, and when I am tried in the fire, I shall come out as pure gold. When you're put under pressure, you find out what's really inside of you. You see, a lot of folk that claim to be Christians, that claim to be of the faith, all you got to do is let a dog bark. All you got to do is let it look like, oh, it's getting ready to be some trouble if I stand for the name of Jesus. It's getting ready to be trouble if I give my testimony. They'll put on their hat, leave their coat, and take off running and be just like Peter when Jesus was about to be crucified and say, I don't know nothing about him. But when we are persecuted and stand fast during the persecution, when we are imprisoned, when we are reviled, it is God saying, this is what you're all about. You got it. You're doing good. And it will also show where you're weak at and where you have to be strong. Turn over, turn over real quickly now because I'm, 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 I'm going to run out of time. Um, turn over to um, John 15. You know, because I, I I, I've been saying this for a while, and I want to take this myth away that Christians will never suffer, that Christians, you know, if, if, if you're suffering, you must be doing something wrong. If you're not prospering, if you're not getting, you know, big houses and more land and promotions and, you know, everything is happy around you and all that kind of stuff, there's something wrong with you. I want to show you something. In John chapter 15, uh, verse 18, you see, because you are going counter, it's a countercultural thing. The world loves the world, but the world hates the Christian. The world hates those who stand forth, live according to the word. Why do they hate you? Well, they hate you because you make them uncomfortable. You're doing right, and you're standing righteously before God, and they crooked criminals for all intents and purposes. They're doing their thing, and they've got to answer for it, and there's, a, there's this guilt thing that's going on within them, and so they're uncomfortable. You make them uncomfortable. That's all to it. Listen to this. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, you see, you're not of the world. You've been born again. What did, what, did, what, what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You must be born again. A more accurate translation says, you must be born from above. You are no longer dead in your sins. You have been made alive in Christ. You are otherworldly. You are an alien. You don't belong in this world. This world is not your home. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You just hear short term. It says, look, verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of this world, remember the world hates you. Now, this is the part that you better stick in, that need to stick. Remember, remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. 
If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. You see, the world is supposed to hate you. Why? They hated Jesus. And the hatred of you is symptomatic of their hatred of Jesus and their hatred of God. So you've got to understand, you're in a good place. You're, you're here because God placed you here. You're, in, you're being persecuted so your faith can be perfected. What did you do? I can tell you what you did. You accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You gave him your life. You were baptized. You now represent him, and your representation of him means that the world is going to hate you, period. Close the book. One last thing. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Verse, verse 10. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, and I'm going to shut down after this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is is great in heaven, for so persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look at that word blessed. Now, in some of your Bibles, it says happy. It says happy are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. But an even more accurate translation says you well off. You fortunate. You see, now, wait a minute. How can I be fortunate when I'm getting my head kicked in? How is it well off that, 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 that how am I well off when I'm being persecuted for righteousness' sake? In the kingdom, in your kingdom account, you are receiving rewards. Mm -hmm. You are laying because you choose because you choose to stand for Jesus Christ, because you work to advance the kingdom of God, you are re being rewarded in the spirit realm, in heavenly places. Treasure is being laid up for you even right now. And so in this passage that I'm quoting from, the Beatitudes, this is what kingdom living is all about. Remember, Jesus says, don't lay up for yourself treasures where thieves can steal and moth can corrupt, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And so when you are going through persecution, when you are standing for the name of Jesus, when you are advancing the kingdom of God, what you are doing is you are laying up treasure in heaven. You are 
adding to your eternal reward. Yeah, that's Matthew 5.10. You see, that's what's going on. So then I ask you, what did you do? Did Are you suffering for righteousness' sake, or are you suffering because of what you didn't do that God told you to do, or are you suffering because you're reaping from the flesh? You're, and by flesh, I mean you're reaping because you're doing what you wanted to do. You have to answer that question, and if you're suffering is because you are trying to advance the kingdom of God, you're following the Holy Spirit, ooh, you are fortunate. You should have an attitude of gratitude. The more you suffer for righteousness' sake, the more you should be worshiping and praising God and thanking him that he has counted it, that, that he has counted you worthy of suffering with him. What did he say? What did he say? Rejoice and be glad. That's the 12th verse. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So in other words, if you're suffering for righteousness' sake, you ought to be counting your heavenly reward. You ought to be looking at your bank book and saying, cha-ching, 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 because you are advancing the kingdom of heaven. Peter, I believe, asked Jesus, he said, hey, Jesus, we done, we done left everything for you. What are we going to get? He says, you're going to get rewarded in heaven, but you'll also get rewarded here too. And so God doesn't have us suffering just for no reason at all. God's not using us to advance this gospel and, and, and go through like we're going through just to be going through. No. We are servants of the Most High God, and he has anointed us and appointed us to go through for him. You're well off. You're happy. You should count it all joy. Amen? That's your attitude if you are suffering for righteousness' sake. Well, that's all the time that I have tonight. Uh, if there's any questions, if there are any questions that you have, I want you to put them on the screen right now as, as I get ready to go in prayer. For those of you who are listening via Blog Talk Radio, you can call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, in Jesus' name we come to say thank you. God, we thank you that you put persecution and suffering in perspective. That even though on this plane, on this earth, we sometimes suffer, it ain't nothing compared to the joy and the reward that we will receive when we get home. When you call us in, is nothing compared to the spiritual blessings that you have laid up for us. God, none of us like suffering. None of us like persecution. But we understand better now 
why Paul was able to go through as he went through. We understand better how he was able to, having done all, not just to stand, but to withstand and still remain standing as he fought against the wiles of the devil. We thank you, O God, for the opportunity that we have in the marketplace, in our homes, on our jobs, to advance your kingdom by following the Holy Spirit and testifying of your goodness and your greatness and letting the world know that you died for their sins and that if they will just only put their faith and that trust in you, that you will save them. We thank you, O oh God. Now, Father, where we've been silent and should have spoke up, help us to loose our stammering tongues and help us to testify even more boldly. Help us to live righteous lives. Help us to stand up in the midst of this, this troubled world. You say that we are the salt of the earth. You say that, that we are the light of the world. Help us to be what you have called us to be. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so are there any questions at all? If there are no questions, going once, going twice, nothing from the Blog Talk family, nothing from the Facebook family. Next week, Acts chapter 25. You know, we only got about three more weeks before we wrap this up. And this has been an exciting study. For those of you who have missed sessions, you can, you can uh, yeah, I, I thank God too. I thank God for that he put the, that suffering in perspective. Now, for those of you who have missed sessions, there is a YouTube channel up there. It's Word Worship and Witness Ministries. You can Google it under that or you can look under Winfred Burns Acts, and you can get every lesson that we've had, except for the last four that I haven't put out there yet, but I'm going to put them out there uh, sometime between now and next Tuesday. And uh, I'm going to try to, don't be surprised if I send out a notice next week and say that we're going to miss next week because I'll be in D.C. My plan is to uh, continue teaching even while I'm on vacation next week. Uh, but if something comes up like we got bad reception or something like that, then I won't be able to. But my plan is to be Acts chapter 25 next Wednesday night. Anyway, so I thank God for each of you. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns. I thank you for your faithfulness. I hope you're enjoying this study as much as I am because I'm having a blast with it. Um, and I'm praying right now what the next study will be. Um, uh, I wouldn't mind going in Isaiah, but I won't be ready to teach. Uh, I won't be ready to teach Isaiah. We'll probably till the end of the year because I, I've really got some work to do to kind of get that in a form to, that we can really teach that. Uh, yeah, we're going to have Bible study next week while we're in D.C. Uh, if in fact we get good reception and all that kind of good stuff. But anyway, so. I'm thinking about um, and praying about, actually, if we could go to maybe one of the epistles. Because those, those 
dovetail nicely into this act study. Or uh, the other thing that I really want to get back at is I want to do another Old Testament study, but they take a long time. I was thinking about going over into First Kings to show you how um, that ties together, but I'm I'm really leaning toward um, I'm really leaning toward one of the epistles right now. I'm really leaning toward one of those because again, uh, the epistles tie in very very nicely with um, the act study that we're doing right now. It'll help it'll help solidify some things that you've already learned. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. But in any event. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, pray so we can get direction on the next Bible study. And pray for me. Pray for me and my wife and my family, um, you know, that we would continue to stay on task and that the blessings of God would continue to, to be throughout our household and through our family. Pray for my son as he is, you know, um, he's in ministry also and he's in seminary and you know, that's not an easy thing to do. And my daughter, who is also out on the mission field working, and my wife, who uh, is always in my corner, always in my corner and making sure that, you know, that not only that I stay healthy and, and happy and all that kind of good stuff, but also that I'm always prepared to be able to, to, to teach Bible study and to preach and do the things that I do. She makes sure that my hands stay free, and I appreciate that in all of, all of you. So keep praying for us, and we'll be praying for you. Have a wonderful, wonderful, ooh, yes, Isaiah is work sharing, but guess what? Guess what? Oh, is that a rich book? Oh, that book is so rich. But we would, And we wouldn't do it uh, in just one big fell swoop and just go straight through it. I'm thinking we go through about 20 chapters or take a break. I'm looking for the natural breaks right now um, to see it because it's, a, it's such a big work that we have to take it in, you know, in, in sections, and then we have to back off on it. But if you join me in an Isaiah study, I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. It will open up things to you that you've never seen before. And you talking about fat in your spirit going to get fat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This would be a wonderful one. But anyway, let's be praying about it. And may God bless you and keep you and may his face ever smile upon you. See you next week. Be blessed now.